But we're continuing our series here today called The Inner Narrative. And last week we discovered something, and that is that we all have an inner narrative. We all have this kind of conversation going on on the inside where we're kind of saying things to ourselves all throughout the day. Not that we're hearing voices or anything, but it's, it's our voice, right? It's us speaking to ourselves and kind of almost preaching to ourselves. And this past week, Landon and I were driving somewhere after school, and we went down this certain street, and the street was totally clear of snow. Like, you know, we've had a lot of snow lately and, and there was all that ice earlier in the week and, and the snow kind of froze and became kind of intense for a while. And so we drove down the one street, did what we have to do, and we turned around and came back down the very same street. And there's a huge block of ice in the street now. And I'm thinking, man, what is going on here? And I look over and there's this little kid, probably like eight years old, looking at us with this really creepy look on his face. And then I realized he pushed the ice block out into the middle of the street so we would hit it. And I'm like, wow, that's scary, you know? And so I just kind of like looked at the kid and he was kind of looking at me like, please die. And, and so, you know, we, we like drove the car around it and missed it. And then in my rear view mirror, I see him run back out into the street and push it further into the road as another car is approaching and then run back onto the lawn and look back like, please die, you know? And so, man, this kid, like, and so the car like slammed on its brakes and pulled around the ice and kept going, you know? And I just bring that all up to say, that's one inner narrative I don't want to know anything about. Like, I don't want to know that kid's thought process at all, okay? But we discovered last week a few things about this inner narrative. Like I already said, A, that we have one, but B, that our inner narrative is powerful, right? Our inner narrative, these inner conversations that we're always having with ourselves are incredibly powerful because they're really informing us of the decisions we're going to make and the paths that we're going to choose and really the people that we become. The other thing we discovered last week is that often the inner narrative, this inner conversation is usually negative, right? It's usually destructive. We're usually beating ourselves up in one way or another or reminding ourselves of something from the past or we're speaking the words maybe our parents spoke to us or a coach or a spouse or an ex-spouse or an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. And these words are just continually kind of being spoken to us from us, from all that stuff that's gone on in our lives. The other thing I hope we began to discover last week was what our inner narrative is. That was your homework last week, to discover what you're always saying to yourself, to almost catch yourself. What am I always preaching to myself, you know? Some of you guys discovered your inner narrative is fear. Some of you guys discovered your inner narrative is anger or hurt or sadness or depression, right? Or maybe it's regret. And so I don't know what your inner narrative is, but I pray this past week that you were discovering it and stopping it. You were seizing those thoughts and not allowing them to continue on like they ordinarily would have. The last thing I hope we discovered last week is how to change our inner narrative, how to change this inner conversation that we have going on. And we, we really just understood together that, wow, the only way to change that inner conversation it's to begin to introduce the word of God into the picture, right? It's to begin to really preach to our own souls. And that was the bottom line last week. Change your inner narrative by preaching to your soul. And that's what I pray you did this past week. You just would stop yourself as you were headed down that very familiar street of self-condemnation or of you know, speaking those words of fear or doubt and all those different things. And you just stopped yourself, I pray, in your tracks and you begin to speak the truth of God to yourselves. And so I hope you got some verses memorized this past week that apply to your struggle, that apply to what maybe you're feeling. Now today we're going to tackle a new specific inner narrative. Last week was very general. I just wanted you to begin to discover what you were going through really. 
But today we're going to begin, and for the rest of the series, begin to just talk about specific inner narratives that we can probably all relate to. And today I want to talk with you about fear. Fear is one of those big inner narratives that we have going on. And it has some cousins, right? It also has some cousins named stress, worry, anxiety, right? And I would guess that you have been there. And you know what? This is kind of fresh on my mind to talk about because this is something I've really been wrestling with, honestly. In this last season of my life, I've had a lot of just fear trying to come at me and a lot of stress, worry, and anxiety trying to kind of take over. And I was talking with Larry Osborne, who's been a mentor to me in this last season, and I was basically saying, well, you know, what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And what if this goes wrong? And then what if this? And what if, what if, what if? And he just kind of stopped me eventually and said, Doug, we have to stop catastrophizing. And I was kind of like, well... First off, okay, but B, like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that word means. And so let me define it for you. It's up on the screen now. To imagine the worst possible outcome of an action or event, to think about a situation or event as as being a a catastrophe or having a potentially catastrophic outcome. And he said, here's what we do, Doug. We imagine all of the worst case scenarios to all of the aspects of our life, and we all believe that it's all gonna happen the same moment on the same day, right? All of our worst fears are going to come true in that one moment. He said, we take all these mutually exclusive situations and we lump them all together. And he said to me, Doug, all those things you just listed to me are not going to happen, A, and even if they did, they're not going to happen in the same moment on the same day. But isn't that true that we can often make ourselves believe it's all going to fall apart in that one specific moment? I got to tell you something. I guess research, I don't know how you figure this out, but research has shown that the United States of America is now the most anxious nation in the world. So congratulations on that, right? So this is something we struggle with, even at a national level with all the stuff we have, all the security, the ring doorbell, all the, all the things that we have purchased and bought to kind of give us peace. We're still the most anxious nation in the world. And so how do we change this? What do we do? Because here's what I think. I think if you're anything like me, you struggle with a few fear categories. The first fear category I want to talk with you about today is the fear that you won't measure up, right? It's that fear that, no, I'm not going to get it right. I'm not going to be able to get this the way it's supposed to go. Um, God's called me to do these certain things, but there's no way I'm going to be able to do them, right? And I'm not going to be able to measure up. So maybe you know God's really just put on your heart, you know what? Stop messing around and finish high school or college well, you know? Finish strong. All right, maybe to start off a little rocky, but you're going to finish strong. And you're just like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be able to get this done in the time I have allotted to me. Maybe some of you guys are are in this whole like measuring up with your singleness right now. You know, how am I going to navigate this? Am I always going to be single? Am I ever going to be content? Is it always going to be like this? And there's those fears and and just imagine kind of the worst cases for all that stuff. Maybe for you, it's being a good parent. Like, isn't it so frustrating that they don't come with instruction manuals? They don't come with how-tos. Like, how do I get through to them? How do I make sure that they're safe and they learn the things they're supposed to learn? And maybe you're like laying awake and like, am I doing this right? Like, am I helping my child become who they're supposed to be? And so maybe that's where you fear that you're you're never going to measure up. Or maybe it's at work. You know, oh man, it just feels like technology is changing so quickly. The systems at work, the people at work, everything's changing so quickly. Am I going to get this right? Am I going to stand out at my job, right? And so a lot of us wrestle with this idea of are we going to measure up? But there's other categories of fear too. I think some of us fear the obstacles in our lives, right? We fear the sickness, right? Like, I just want to be healthy. I have so much to do in life. Or that loved one, man, I just want them to be healthy, 
But that sickness is constantly in the way. It's constantly this obstacle in your life. Maybe it's a financial obstacle. Man, if only we could get ahead finally. If only we could pay down all our debt. It feels like every time we like go a little bit further in this, we get pulled backwards, right? Or maybe for you, it's, it's this obstacle almost of, of a timing issue in your life. Like I wanna be here, I'm here, and there's this big obstacle in the way and I can't get past it. All I want is to be here, right? And so is that where your fears really kick in? Is that where you catastrophize? Or maybe lastly for you, it's the, it's the category of battles, right? It's the battles you know that you have to fight ahead of you. Maybe you're a cop or maybe you're in the military. It's a literal battle. But for many of us, it's not a literal, literal battle. It, it's a battle for a marriage. It's a battle for a friendship. That's, uh, you know, just, man, what happened there? And how can I get that back? And I got to fight for that. But I'm afraid it's just going to all fall apart and blow up in my face. Maybe it's a battle for your child. Maybe it, it's a battle against temptation. And you and I just sit around and we talk about how we're just going to always be this mess up, right? And so where does your fear come out? How does it play out? Where do you find yourself catastrophizing? You see, it's so important to talk about this because God doesn't want us to live in fear. In fact, over a hundred times in the Bible, he tells us not to fear, do not be afraid. Over a hundred times, he knew we were gonna need to hear this. And you know what? This is not just a, a struggle for people who come to church every week and who follow Jesus. This is a struggle for you if you're not a follower of Jesus too, right? This is a struggle for you if you're just kind of living life and kind of just Doing, doing life as, as best you know how, but yet these fears find their way in. And maybe for you today, you're gonna see that God wants to make a difference in those fear struggles. But even more than that, maybe for you, what you'll take away today is what to do with those bigger fears in your life. Like, where do I stand with God? What do I do with the guilt in my life? What do I do about the fact that I don't know where I would go if I died today, Right? And so what do we do with those fears? We're going to talk about that as well. So we're going to look at some verses about Joshua. And we're going to be able to learn from Joshua for two reasons. The first reason we can learn from him is because in these verses that we're going to read today, God tells him several times not to fear. And God does not say things for no reason. God does not say things you know, by mistake. He says them purposefully. And so we know Joshua must have had a tendency or something within him that was tempted to fear. The second reason we can learn from Joshua today, though, is because as we go through this story, I want you to see the tendency maybe he had to feel like he didn't measure up, the obstacles that were in his way, and the battles he had to fight. And I want you to maybe put yourself in his position, and I want you to think about what you'd be thinking, and maybe what God would do in your heart in the midst of it. So check out Joshua 1.1. I think it's really relatable what he's going through here. In verse one, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So Joshua just received this huge calling. You're gonna go lead the people of Israel on the rest of the way of their journey here. This has been going on for a while, but it, didn't, it hasn't ended yet. And the people have been messing around. They've been wandering around the desert. But Joshua, I just want to let you know that you're going to lead them the rest of the way. And this was great opportunity for him to catastrophize. Do you know why? A couple of reasons. First off, he's got to be thinking to himself, am I going to measure up to this? Am I going to be able to do this? Why is it such a big deal? Do you remember whose place he took? He took Moses' place, like the Moses, right? 
And you have to wonder if that was maybe causing some fear in his life. Would he measure up to Moses, right? I mean, taking over from Moses is like taking over for LeBron on the court or Denzel up on the big screen or Judge Judy from being the meanest person ever, right? Like, you know how that goes. And so there's a lot of pressure here. Will he measure up? And if that weren't enough, look at what it says in Deuteronomy 34, 10 about Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Like, remember where this is written, guys. This wasn't written as an Amazon review. This wasn't on Moses' website. This is written in the Bible about Moses. If I'm Joshua, I'm like, God, um, I'll lead them if we can get Deuteronomy 34, 10 to 12 taken out of the scriptures because I can't measure up to that. Are you serious? And so I wonder what Joshua's inner narrative was going. I'm guessing he's going, I'm not Moses. I, how am I going to get all these people to follow me? They respected him, kind of, sort of, and they had their moments with him too, but I'm not even him. How are they going to possibly follow me? How will I measure up? Is anybody asking that question here today? Is that a part of your inner narrative when it comes to your fear? How am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to get from point A to point B? I wonder if you're catastrophizing some of it, you know? So you know that God wants you to finish high school or college well and just give it your all, even if that doesn't mean straight A's or, you know, 4.0, but you're just going to do well. And you sit there and go, but I just can't. I I know I'm going to mess this up and I've got this whole thesis due and I got my dissertation due and that teacher's horrible. I think it's Judge Judy in disguise. Like she's like so scary. And like, I just know that I'm going to fall flat on my face and this is never going to work and I'm going to get nowhere in life. I'm going to live in my parents' basement my whole life, Right? All those events are going to come true. And that's what we do. We sit and we catastrophize. Maybe it doesn't have to do with that. Maybe it has to do with navigating your singleness well. Maybe it has to do with parenting well. Maybe it has to do with job performance. But, but maybe it has nothing to do with any of that. And you're still sitting here just going, man, I just, I just know I'm not going to get this right. What do we do in moments like that? What do we do with that fear? What do we do with all that stress, anxiety, and worry? If that weren't enough, Joshua has another reason to kind of be fearful here. He's got a lot of obstacles ahead of him. He's got to go take all these people and get them from point A to point B through dangerous territories. There's, according to this verse, a river they have to cross, right? And Joshua, I just wonder if his inner narrative at that point is, how am I going to do this? I got to get millions of people and all their stuff and all their animals and their kids all the way to this, this new land through these dangerous territories. There's a river. Moses had to part a sea. At least I only get a river, a little less pressure. But what if it doesn't part at the right moment? That was Moses' trick, not mine. Like, I don't know how to make this all work, right? And that's exactly like you and I. We look at those obstacles in our lives and we think about that, that sickness in our life or the person that we love and we think, but what if I never get better? Like, what if this is life forever? Or what if my life is cut short? Or what if their life is cut short? I couldn't live without them. And suddenly we're catastrophizing and this fear is overwhelming us. And as you guys work through financial stress, as you work through timing issues, all these different things that can plague us, what do we do with it all? How do we change that inner narrative? What I love about God is he gives us ammunition to change our inner narrative right in his word, right in this conversation with Joshua. He says, Joshua, I'm calling you to some scary stuff, but let's get to it. Verse three, I will give you every place where you set your foot 
as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. God gives Joshua some serious ammunition right there. If he's afraid, if he's intimidated, he's got some things to sink his teeth into to begin to change the inner narrative of his life. And I just love that God says, you know what? I will give you these places. I will, right? Because so often that's our problem. When it comes to fear, stress, anxiety, worry, we're always thinking us. I have to, I have to, have, I have to. And God is going, no, I will, I will, I will, right? I just wonder if we begin to change even that much of our dialogue, how much might change, you know? I almost hear Joshua saying, God, there's no way I can do this. These obstacles are, are, are too big. Moses was too great a leader to try to fill his shoes. I can't do it, but, but you will do this, God. You will do this. And I just have to believe that if we begin to say that, God, there's no way I can pass this course. God, there's no way I can manage my singleness. God, there's no way I can deal with this sickness. God, there's just no way I can parent the way I'm supposed to. I can't, I can't, I can't. But God, you can, right? You can. These obstacles in my way are not obstacles for you. You can. My daughter, Bryn, was maybe two or three. Here's a picture of her at about that age, such a little cutie. And when she was a little princess there, we went to this place called Fun For All with our family. And it's kind of like this little indoor playground. And there's lots of stuff for the kids to jump on and run across and bridges and slides and all this stuff. But there's this one area where they have all of these trampolines that go up probably about 20 or 30 feet high. And you kind of climb up one trampoline, you kind of scoot over and climb up another area of it. And she got up to about the third level and she made the mistake of looking down, right? And instantly she begins to cry out, oh, I'm stuck, I'm, I can't, help me, help me, you know? And, and Kelly went mama bear mode. She's like, I'm coming, you know? She like, she turned Southern apparently and just climbed in the thing and she got her spurs on and she climbed up the, and she went all the way up the, right? And I just wonder if Kelly's or Bryn's little two, three-year-old inner narrative was going like this. But mommy, like once you get up here, how are we going to get down? You're going to have the same problem I'm having. You're going to get up here and just be just as afraid as I am. You're going to have the same obstacles. You won't know how to get down just like I don't know how to get down. But, but if only Bryn, if, if only we could realize that the obstacles for Kelly, for God, aren't obstacles at all for Kelly or, or for God, right? It's just a whole different ballgame, right? It's a whole different set of circumstances. God's not looking at your life and my life like we look at it. God's not looking with limited view. He's not looking inside of time. He, he's understanding it all. He's seeing kind of this big, drawn-out, beautiful picture, this beautiful mosaic drawn out and stretched out across our life, and he understands where all those pieces go, right? And so if only we would take a little bit of a step back and we would trust and, and we would see that, man, he is with us and he has this, and that those obstacles may seem scary to us, but they are not, even for a half second, scary to God. Guys, I, I'm preaching to my own heart big time here today. Man, whew, it's been a season of fear for me. Honestly, probably a fear, stress, anxiety, and worry that I've never known in my whole life. And I've been through seasons, I've been candid with you about doubt in the past, about depression in the past. But, but this season, if I could characterize it, has been fear, anxiety, worry, stress, catastrophizing. I appreciate it. there are several of you in the room even who ha have been there for me through it and have prayed for me through it and encouraged me through it. So I get it, but, but we have to just keep on. That's why we have to keep on changing the inner narrative. We have to keep on preaching the truth to our soul because if we don't, we just end up down the street and everything has fallen apart, right? And so I love that God gave Joshua that 
hey, I've got this. I've got this. I will give you all these lands. You don't have to measure up in your own strength, Joshua. I will be that for you. You don't have to figure out and move all the obstacles. You're not going to move the river, Joshua. You can stand there all day and try to split the river. It's not going to happen. But I will do that for you. I got to speak the truth back to my soul. But what about the battles? See, Joshua would have to fight battles before entering the land. In fact, you could tell me if I made a mistake. I may have, but I count 13 battles that Joshua has to lead the people into between now and the time they're in the promised land. 13. That's not a little bit. That's like, I don't even want to be in one battle in my lifetime, right? 13 battles he'll have to fight. And I just wonder if his inner narrative had the potential to go to where mine would have gone to. God, what if we don't win? What, what, what if our, our people die? What if I die? What if I'm not a great military strategery mind? That's not even a word. But what if I like, can't figure this all out, right? Like what if I am not the man for the job? And what if this battle's too great and it costs more than I can bear, right? And I just love what, what comes next. Joshua 1.5 says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Moses, you know, he was a great leader, Joshua. But if you're worried about measuring up, As I was with him, so I will be with you. See, Joshua, the great thing about Moses wasn't Moses. It was that I was with him. And the great thing about you, Joshua, is not you. It's that I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. More powerful ammunition for Joshua to change that inner narrative. And as he's facing those 13 battles and as he's standing out on the battle line, he's got people all around and weapons drawn and his heart's pounding. I just wonder if he's going back to these truths. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will win these battles. I will go with you. I have you. I wonder if for you and I, as we kind of fight off that inner narrative of of the battles in our lives, you know what, I, I, just, I just know if I fight for this relationship, it's only gonna bite me again. I know it's only gonna come back and hurt me again. If I fight for this person that's really hard to love and put myself out there, man, I'm gonna get stabbed in the heart. I just wonder as we, as we navigate those battles, we have to fight or maybe the fight for your kid or the fight for your sin struggle. I just wonder if we begin to treat the, uh, speak the truth back. God's never gonna forsake me. He's never gonna leave me. We know sometimes maybe you believe God's not going to be there for me. You know, just like Joshua maybe thought, well, he was there for Moses, might not be there for me. Maybe you thought, you know what? He, he, God was there for my grandma, but you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not her. God was, God's there for Doug. I'm sure, he, yeah, God's got to be there for Doug if he's a pastor, right? So, but, but not for me. I just love that these verses apply to us specifically. And I just have to ask you a question. What can scare you when God is with you? Like, what can scare you when God is with you? My dad is six feet tall and then add eight inches. All right? He's a big dude. And I can tell you that in my entire lifetime, I have never once been scared with my dad around. A little scared of him. No, I'm just kidding. He's a big dude. Never once been scared in my life. As a little kid, man, just never afraid as long as dad was around. A uh, teenager, there were times we, he would take our youth group into New York City and we'd work with some, with some people in some tough areas in New York City. And like, if he went to get pizza, it was like, can we all come? Uh, like, I don't want to be left out here alone. But if he was there, we were fine. Like, never been scared. Like, even to this day, if he called me up and said, hey, let's go out and grab some bobbies after service, I'd be there. And if I was walking in with him and some guy gave me a sideways look, man, I'd be like, daddy. You know, like, I have no problem pulling that card still. Okay. <laughs> 41-year-old man calls on his 60-something-year-old. Anyway, that'd be a great story. 
That's all right, man. I'd be like, that was me. That was my dad. And he kicked his butt. Anyway, that's terrible. All right. We're getting way off topic here. But what can scare you when, when your dad's with you? What can scare you when God is with you? And now we see one of many commands about fear, right? See, God doesn't say stuff on accident, right? And so we know Joshua needed to hear this. Verse six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Doesn't it kind of sound like God was expecting a little bit of an argument from Joshua? You will lead these people. Be strong and courageous, right? That'll preach to our soul, right? And I love that after he says, you will do this, or, or he, you know, he says, be strong, courageous, you will lead these people. It, it just really solidifies this idea that it's about what God is gonna do in this situation, which is what you and I have to begin to realize is that when God calls us to finish high school or college strong, we could say, okay, I will do it because God will do it in and through me and he is with me. When he calls us to face the sickness or walk through the sickness with the loved one, okay, I will get through this because God will do it in and through me and he is with me. When he calls us to face the battle for the relationship, I can do it, I can do it. It hurts, I don't want to, it's hard, it's painful, but I will do it because God ultimately will do it in and through me and he is with me. Then he goes on in verse seven, he says, be strong and very courageous. I gotta tell you guys, Sometimes in life, we don't just need to be courageous. We need to be very courageous. Sometimes there are times when we're staring down the face of something and we're afraid and God is not just calling us to be courageous. He has to add the very in there. This is a very courageous moment. And for some of you guys to fight for what you have to fight through, the battles, the obstacles, the fears, the catastrophes, there are times you have to be very courageous. We keep going back to that. God is saying this. God is saying, if God is telling me I can be very courageous, then I can be very courageous with his help. And so what are you facing today? And it goes on. Look where all this is heading. Look at this. See, if you didn't see this coming, right? This whole idea of preaching to our soul. Check this out. Rest of verse seven. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Ultimately, where is God leading Joshua? So first what God does is he preaches to Joshua's soul, right? He says, hey, I got you. I'm with you. This is gonna work. I'm preaching to your soul, Joshua. I'm changing your inner narrative. But now he says, hey, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to look to all those laws that Moses gave you. Well, what are the laws that Moses gave us? It's the word of God, right? And so isn't it interesting that as Joshua is facing a fearful situation, and he's trying to figure out how to be successful through it. God says, I will tell you what to do, Joshua. You look to my word. Don't look to the left or to the right. You look to my word and you follow what my word says. But it gets even better than that. Look what it says here. I love this. Verse eight, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Can I ask you something? If you are keeping something on your lips and meditating it on it day and night, you are preaching to yourself, No. He says, keep this book of the law or keep my word always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Isn't that interesting? That God is saying here, look, if you want to change and you want to be successful in the midst of this, keep your eyes, keep your lips, keep your mind full of my word and watch how that enables you to do what I'm calling you to do. 
So would you guys read this with me? I think this is really powerful. If you preach God's truth to your soul, you'll do what his word says. If you do what his word says, you'll be prosperous and successful. Do you see how that works? Now, some of you guys are saying, great, I wanna be prosperous and successful. What does that mean? It does not mean you own like a Lambo and a yacht. Like that's not the prosperous we're looking for here, okay? What am I gonna be prosperous in then? This is so powerful, please, right? What am I gonna be successful in? You're gonna be prosperous and successful in the situations that you are fearful of, right? This is the whole point. Joshua is afraid in this time. And God says, be courageous. No, be very courageous. And I'm with you. And here's what I'm going to do. And here is what you must do, Joshua. You must get my word on your mouth and in your mind. And then watch how prosperous and successful you are in what I've called you to do. So if God has called you to finish high school and college well, doesn't matter what Judge Judy professor you have, I'm telling you right now, as you fill your heart and mind with the word of God and you preach the truth to your soul, you watch him carry you through that. The job situation, all the measure up issues, all the obstacles, the sickness and the timing, all of the battles for the loved one, the temptation for your child. As you get his word on your mouth, as you meditate on his scripture, more and more you're gonna find he's giving you the strength to beat what you're afraid of. And so, he goes on into verse nine, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Write that one down. If you wrestle with fear, stress, anxiety, worry, if you catastrophize, catastrophize get that one written down because you need that in your life. You need to be able to preach that to your soul. And then look at the outcome. You ready for this? We're all waiting. God's been talking so far, Right? But, but what's gonna happen? How, how does Joshua receive all this? If he was afraid before the conversation began, what's gonna happen now? Look what it says in, in the next part in verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. What happened? The inner narrative was changed. If Joshua was afraid, he's now barking out orders. Let's go. God's on this. We're going. Get stuff ready. He did not say, guys, I just had a little conversation with God. But you know what? My inner narrative is still a little bit shaky. And so I think what we should do is just camp out here for a while. Or let's pack up and head back to Egypt because that was so much fun, right? No, that's not what he says. Inner narrative transformed. New conversation. We're going forward. And I love that God starts out preaching to Joshua's soul and then teaches Joshua to preach to Joshua's soul. And then he's ready to go. So how do you overcome your fear? Bottom line for today, conquer your fear by preaching to your soul. That's how you do it. That's how you conquer your fear. You don't just tell yourself everything's gonna be all right. You don't just decide you're gonna buy all the most expensive things to make sure your life is all secure and you have every safety thing you need and, and there's no way anybody could ever get to you and you, you guard off your heart so that no one could ever hurt you and you've protected yourself that way. And No, you, you're gonna go through life. We're gonna go through life. It's gonna be hard sometimes. There's gonna be hurt sometimes. There's gonna be brokenness sometimes. But how do we navigate it all and how do we not live miserable because we're catastrophizing everything? We've got to conquer our fear by preaching to our soul. And so will you catch that inner narrative of fear in your life this week? 
Will you catch it? Will you recognize the times that you are just sitting there and your mind's out the window and all you're thinking is all the worst things that could happen? All the ways so-and-so is gonna betray you. All the ways that your child's never coming back. All the ways they're gonna stay far from God. All the ways that you're gonna fail at school. You're gonna fail at your job. You catch yourself and you stop it. And literally, here's what I want you to do. Unless you're in public, I want you to out loud say to yourself, stop catastrophizing. I want you to out loud say it. Do you know that in this last season of my life, I've been saying that to myself over and over and it's sad. I've realized how much I do it. Stop catastrophizing and replace it with God's narrative for your soul. Max Lucado says this, the mind cannot at the same time be full of God and full of fear. Impossible. And so will you this week preach to your soul. Well, what do I preach, Doug? What do I say? Just that God's with me? No, let's get some scripture in our arsenal. Let's get some ammunition ready to go. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, so powerful, says this, and we know that all, I'm sorry, and we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. All things. And here's what I think a lot of us believe. We believe that if you look in the Greek, right, that there's a little asterisk next to that word all, for all things work together for the good. And we believe that if you follow the asterisk to the back of the pages, in the back there's a picture of you and it says, I'm sorry, this verse does not apply to you, right? It does not apply to the struggles you have. It does not apply to the failures that you struggle with. It doesn't apply to the fears that you come up with. No, it applies to you. And you know what? Just like Joshua could say, no, 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 no. God's with me just as he's with Moses. You can say, God's with me just as he was with Moses. God was with me just as he was with Joshua. And all things work together for the good. But what about my own failures? What about all those stupid things I've done? What about the times others have wronged me? What about all the the things ahead that I'm so uncertain of? No, God will work it all out, which I don't know about you, that takes a huge weight off my shoulders because even if I do make some of the decisions that are wrong and and some of the fearful outcomes come out of it, I know God's even gonna take that and still make good of it. And so get Romans 8, 28 in your heart. Speak it out when you need to. Luke 12, I love this. Sometimes we just have to, this isn't really encouraging. It's just wisdom. Verse 25, Jesus says this. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Like it's just a good reminder for me. Like I'm wasting my time right now. I have no ability to add anything to my life by worrying. In fact, I will likely steal it according to medicine, right? Next one. I love this. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Perfect peace. So we're going throughout our week and, and all of those kind of catastrophes are, are coming to mind, but suddenly we get to say, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm setting myself up to fail here. I'm, I'm leading myself down a road that's gonna end in a lot of regret and pain. I'm gonna stop right now and begin to remind myself, oh, this is the God. This is the God who jumps up the trampolines with me, right? This is the God who makes his ways up through all those things that seem so scary, those big obstacles that scare me to death. This is the God that comes with me up there and he keeps me in perfect peace as I trust in him. Speak that to your soul. I don't know about any of you guys. Sometimes when I'm really, really stressed or fearful, it interrupts my sleep, especially early morning. Wake up with all the, the worst case scenarios and that half sleep. I encourage you to preach Psalm 48 to your heart in those moments. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Just preach that to your heart in the morning. Preach that to your heart in those moments when you're, when you're afraid. Maybe some of you lay awake at night and you can't fall asleep. You wake up at 2, 3 in the morning and you just think and think and think and fear and fear. Preach this stuff to your soul. Change the inner narrative. Years ago, I, I talked about 
fear. And I talked about the idea that so often the fears we have never even come true. And I got off stage and someone came up to me and said, Doug, that was encouraging and all, but what about the times the fears do come true? You know? Well, what about the times when you sit and you, you imagine the, the worst case scenario and then they actually happen? Well, let's start with what Larry Osborne said in the first place and say, well, they're not all going to happen on the same day at the same moment, so let's get some peace there. But, but what about when they do come true? Larry had more wisdom on this. He said, you know what? Doug, if some of those things you're fearing come true, you're going to have the grace that you need to get through it when they do come true. See, you, Doug, you can't imagine going through that right now because you don't have to go through that right now. You imagine that destroying your life because if you were to go through it today, it would maybe destroy you, but that's because the grace of God is not there to carry you through it because you're not going through it, right? My uncle Pete Malillo is in the hospital right now and there's a picture of him just entered a few, few days ago getting some really intense treatment. He has um, an aggressive form of cancer called multiple myeloma. It's a blood and bone cancer. And he is quarantined off from everyone. That is before they quarantined him when my aunt's still in the picture there. He's one of the funniest guys I know. Uh, you need a good laugh. You hang out with him. Loves life. Beautiful family. My aunt and him love, love the Lord. And yet he's going through something really hard right now. And, and they're trying to do a stem cell transplant where they replace the cancerous cells with healthy ones. And it's a long process and a great challenge. But here's what I can tell you. I can tell you one thing for a fact is that my uncle has had many fears in his life, just like all of us have, that have not come true. So there's probably a billion fears he's had, just like I've had, that have not come true. But, but the second thing I could tell you is that there is grace for him in this season. There is grace for him to get through what he's going through right now. And I've been in contact with him and his heart is encouraged in God. He's real. He's going through hard stuff. He, he shared some stuff that made me upset because this is really, really difficult for him. And yet he has the grace of God and the hope of God to get through this circumstance. And do you know who's sitting in the seats around you today? People who have gotten through divorce. People who have gotten through cancer treatment. People who have gotten through losing a loved one. People who have gotten through their own seasons of illness. People who have lost their jobs but found new ones. People whose kids were far from God and far from them, but they came back. There's people who got through it because when they had to get through it, the grace of God was there. And so either way, we win. Either way, we win when we trust God because either he's going to not allow those billion things to come true in the first place, and so we don't waste the time on fear, or when one or two or three of them does come true, he will give us the grace we need to carry us through. And so will you conquer your fear by preaching to your soul. If we will learn to do this, we will walk in the peace that God so badly wants us to walk into. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I hope today you've seen God wants to make a difference in your fear struggles. And he, he's not just you know, throwing lies at you to get you to feel a false sense of peace. No, this is stuff you can sink your teeth into. This is stuff that makes an impact and makes a difference. And I'm living proof of that. And so I pray today you'll think about maybe getting a verse or two in your heart and beginning to just talk it to yourself when you begin to fear. But even more than that, I pray today as you maybe think about bigger fears, like where would you go if you died today? Like where would you stand with God if, if you stood before him today? I pray that those fears will be taken away because here's what happened. Jesus came for you. Jesus, the son of God came for you and got 
up on a cross and was brutally murdered so that he could purchase for you freedom from the sin in your life and my life. Purchase for you and I heaven and eternity so that we would know when we die where we're going. And we would know when we stand before him. He'd look you and I in the face and say, I love you, you are welcome, you are here because the sacrifice on the cross that rescued you from your sin. And so if you wanna begin a conversation with Jesus today, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But let's not settle for our fear, stress, worry, anxiety, and let's catch ourselves catastrophizing this week. And let's conquer our fears by preaching to our soul. Let's pray together. God, we need you so much. God, thank you so much that you have better for us than to settle with the fear in our lives, with the stress, the anxiety, the worry, with all the what ifs. God, we thank you so much that you wanna change our inner narrative. Thank you so much for Joshua's story and how you changed his inner narrative by speaking the truth to him and then teaching him to preach the truth to himself. And so God, would you help us today? If you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about this? For you, is it that you, a fear you won't measure up? Is it that fear about the obstacles in your way? Is it that fear about the battles you may have to fight? I encourage you to, to preach the truth to yourself, that all things work for the good for those who love God, that he keeps in perfect peace those who trust in him, that we can sleep and rest because he keeps us in safety, that he has commanded us to be strong and courageous, not be discouraged, not be afraid, for he is with us wherever we go. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I encourage you to pray with me right now. Just silently pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place. Thank you so much for showing me today that I am loved by you and that I don't have to be afraid of you, but that you conquered all that I have to be afraid of so I could know you. Thank you for this gift of salvation. I thank you that heaven awaits me. And I pray you'll show me what it is to live my life close to you. Before we open our eyes here today, I would encourage you if you prayed that today to let us know, to fill out on the back of your connection card or on that app that you took that next step in becoming a follower of Jesus so we can help you keep taking next steps. But also I'd love to pray for you. And so if you prayed that for the first time today, would you just look me in the eye to anybody in this place here this morning, pray that prayer for the very first time today. Awesome, anybody else? Cool, cool. I see you. I see you. Awesome. That's so great. Anybody else? I see you. I see you back there. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I see. I see. God, thank you so much. So exciting to see people putting their trust in you. You're so good. Oh, God, I pray everyone that did this today, all those at the 930, all those here at the 1130, and those that will do it tonight as well, that, God, you will just show them what it is to follow you. Thank you for your goodness in your name. Amen.